Knowledge Products presents the world's political hotspots on Chile and Argentina. Chile, the southernmost country in South America, occupies a ribbon-like strip of land stretching north to south along the western coast of the continent. To the east are the Andes Mountains. To the west is the Pacific Ocean. Peru, the site of the ancient Inca civilization, is to the north. Bolivia and Argentina lie to the east. Its name is said to have come from the Indian word Chile, meaning where the land ends. A Chilean author once said that this is a country with a mad geography. Although its length is over 3,000 miles, the country's average width is only 110, with certain parts no more than 50 miles wide. In effect, Chile is almost 30 times as long as it is wide. Its 260,000 square mile territory is less than one-tenth as large as the continental United States. Chile may be divided into three regions, the northern desert, the central valley, and the southern archipelago. The desert region is an elevated, arid plateau descending gradually from the Andes to the coast. It extends about 1,100 miles from the Peruvian border and ends at the Aconcagua River north of the port of Valparaiso. This desert, known as the Atacama Desert, covers approximately one-third of Chile. It's one of the world's driest areas. The hills contain large mineral deposits, and they are home to a large Chilean mining industry. In the 19th century, the English naturalist Charles Darwin crossed the Chilean desert, and he reported on the journey in his journal entitled The Voyage of the Beagle. We rode all day across an undulating country, a complete and utter desert. I saw neither bird, quadruped, reptile, nor insect. On the coast mountains, at the height of about 2,000 feet, where during this season the clouds generally hang, very few cacti were growing in the clefts of rock, and the loose sand was strewed over with a lichen which lies on the surface quite unattached. Chile's central valley extends southward from the Aconcagua River near Valparaiso to the Gulf of Ancud, a stretch of about 620 miles. About 85% of the people in Chile live in this valley in the area between Valparaiso and Concepcion. It's a highly fertile region, well watered by many streams flowing from the Andes. Pedro de Valdivia, a Spaniard who would conquer this area, described it in the 1540s. This land is such that there is none better in all the world for living and residing in. This, I say, because it is flat, very healthy and pleasant. It has no more than four months of winter, and even then it is only when the moon is at quarter that it rains a day or two. And on all the other days the sunshine is so fine that there is no need to draw near a fire. The summer is so temperate, having such delightful breezes, that a man can be out in the sun all day without ill effects. Chile's most important cities are located in this central region, including Santiago, the capital. Valparaiso is Chile's main port, and Concepcion is a large industrial center. Orchards, pasture land, and irrigated fields of grain cover most of the area.
The southern archipelago region extends for about a thousand miles from Puerto Montt in the Gulf of Ancud to Cape Horn, the southernmost tip of the continent. This cold, rainy region has towering mountains and dense forests. The southern coast is a maze of channels and windswept islands, inlets, and glaciers. One of Chile's greatest sheep-raising areas is at the southeastern tip of the mainland and on the island of Tierra del Fuego. Called the polar region, this area reaches closer to the Antarctic than any other place in the world. Darwin also eloquently described Chile's archipelago region. The lofty mountains compose the backbone of the country and boldly rise to a height of between three and four thousand feet. They are covered by a wide mantle of perpetual snow and numerous cascades pour their water through the woods into the narrow channel below. In many parts, magnificent glaciers extend from the mountainside to the water's edge. It is scarcely possible to imagine anything more beautiful than the barrel-like blue of these glaciers. The fragments which had fallen from the glacier into the water were floating away, a miniature likeness of the polar sea. The islands along the coast are said to be, in part, the summits of a submerged mountain chain. They are the southernmost part of the Cordillera Maritima, a mountain range that stretches from the central valley to the south. The largest of these islands is Chiloé, which is inhabited, along with other small islands in the area. But most of this island territory is unpopulated. Excessive rainfall and violent westerly storms make them most unsuitable for human occupation. Some of the smallest islands are barren rock, but most of them are covered with forest. Chile also owns Easter Island and the Juan Fernandez Islands. Easter Island, 2,400 miles west of Chile's northern mainland, is famous as the site of enormous statues of people that were carved hundreds of years ago. The statues, called Moai, were possibly created by early inhabitants to honor their ancestors. The origins of these early inhabitants are not known for certain. Some scientists say they were American Indians. Others believe they were Polynesians, that is, inhabitants of the many islands in the South Pacific Ocean. The Juan Fernandez Islands are a group of three about 400 miles west of the Chilean coast. They were discovered by a Spanish explorer of the same name in 1563. Individually, they are named Robinson Crusoe, Santa Clara, and Alejandro Selkirk. Robinson, the largest of the three islands, is famous as the island where Alexander Selkirk stayed alone for over four years during the first decade of the 1700s. The book Robinson Crusoe is partly based on Selkirk's adventures. Altogether, the island group has an area of 56 square miles, and they are all inhabited. Approximately three-fifths of Chile is extremely mountainous. The Andes present Chile a virtually unbroken barrier to the east. Only at a few points in the south does the general elevation fall below 6,000 feet. The Andes is a single chain of mountains, and before air transportation, these few passes were the only ways to travel east. There are few places in all of Chile where you can't see the Andes as a background. The explorer Maria Dundas Graham described this site. Nothing is more glorious than the sight of the Andes this morning on approaching the land at daybreak. Starting, as it were, from the ocean itself, 
their summits of eternal snow shone in all the majesty of light long before the lower earth was illuminated. The Andes are volcanic mountains. They are geologically young, and this means that they are unstable. So Chile has frequent earthquakes and other seismic disturbances. The worst ones seem to occur in central and south Chile. There are two types of seismic shocks. A temblor is a slight vibration, sometimes imperceptible and generally occurring at frequent intervals. A terremoto is a strong rotary vibration or motion, also at frequent intervals. These terremotos, or earthquakes, are caused by a fracture or displacement of formations below the ground, and they usually cause great damage. A witness described a 1751 earthquake in Chile. The shaking of the earth was dreadful, and as it roared, the churches thundered and fell, along with towers and bells, buildings and dwellings, great and little, leaving behind the frenzied outcry of men, women and children, the howling of dogs, the untimely singing of the birds, and the wild terror of the beasts. When earthquakes occur on the coast or beneath the sea near the coast, tidal waves sometimes form. These can cause even greater damage than the earthquake itself. Many cities and towns along the Chilean coast have been destroyed by tidal forces. Charles Darwin described one such wave. Shortly after the shocks, a great wave was seen from the distance approaching in the middle of the bay with a smooth outline. But along the shore it tore up cottages and trees as it swept onwards with irresistible force. At the head of the bay it broke in a fearful line of white breakers which rushed up to a height of twenty-three vertical feet. Their forces must have been prodigious.